So um, today I'm going to talk about Destined for Deliverance. And I know you're already in that series on Destined for Deliverance. And um, I was telling Pastor Johnson that he reminds me of my dad in so many ways. When he gave me this title, I said, okay, praise God. <laughs> praise God. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Destined for Deliverance. Amen. Everybody got your Bibles? Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, as I was really looking at this and, and seeking God on what I believe that he wanted me to say today, um, it was really interesting, the, the, the title Destined for Deliverance. You know, a lot of times when you think of destiny, you think of, you know, being destined for greatness or destined for something awesome, you know. Um, but destined for deliverance is a different thing. It's destined for deliverance. So that means that at some point, God must have known that I was going to be in bondage or some need for deliverance. Because if it's destined, that means it was predetermined or preordained. So but God knows the beginning at the end. I mean, he knows the end at the beginning. I'm sorry. He knows the end from the beginning so he can see what's to come. So. The, 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 the phrase or the term destined to be delivered means that God already knows that I'm going to be in a jam. So if I'm destined to be delivered, then he already predetermined how I'm going to be delivered, how I'm going to get out of that jam. Amen. And that's important to know because because some of us in here today are in a jam. And it's important to know that God has already predetermined some things to get you out. Amen. Praise God. So here's where, where I was led, because as, as Pastor Johnson talked about this in, in the introduction, Dr. Mark Barclay prophesied over myself and Pastor Johnson uh, almost identical uh, word. And it, and it had to do with the message of deliverance. And at the time, I didn't know what to do with it. You know, I, I was still trying to find my way in ministry. Um, I, I was working with teens at one point and didn't know where I was supposed to go, didn't know what I was supposed to do. And so I just started studying Moses. I figured, you know, who better to study? He actually told us to study Moses. So I started with, with Moses. And then from there, I began to see some things. And you backtrack, you go into Genesis, you start seeing some things, you start to try to figure out what happened. This is something that was very interesting to me. Growing up, I always, when I hear about Moses and him delivering the children out of Egypt, and, in, and then, you know, essentially taking them to the promised land where he didn't get to go in, but he got them there. And then Joshua, and, uh, Joshua took them the rest of the way. But the thing that was really interesting to me is, and growing up, you know, I didn't understand this. So, you know, I'm a pastor son, but don't knock me on this, okay? <laughs> don't look at me like, you didn't know that. I don't think I put it together. I think I knew it, but I didn't really put it together. But here's the thing that was interesting to me. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all experienced the promised land. That was, that was like, you know, that was a eureka moment for me. Wait a minute. I thought that this whole, from Genesis 1 to, to Exodus, uh, you know, going into to Deuteronomy, you know, and then into Joshua, I thought that that whole thing meant that they were still trying to get in there. That Abraham didn't make it. Isaac didn't make it, you know. I mean, I thought I'd read the scripture and it was clear to me, but apparently I didn't see this. 
So when I saw it, I said, hey, wait a minute. They all experienced the promised land. They were all in camp. Abraham got them there. Abraham got them there. Then Isaac, my click. All right. Thank you, sir. But they, they all got there. They all experienced it. And so. When I think about destined for deliverance. God knew at some point. Somebody was going to mess this up. And there was going to be a need for deliverance. Abraham got him there. They dwelt there. They got rich there. They got fat there. They experienced everything God promised them there in Canaan. But you guys know what happened. You know what happened. Famine came. We got to fast forward to Joseph now. Joseph has this. This is interesting to me. Joseph has this prophetic dream that he is going to rule over his brothers. And. You know what? I always say it like this. I got some sons, so I say this like this. I think what happened was Jacob's knucklehead sons cost them <laughs> being able to experience the promised land as God, as God intended. They decided they couldn't handle his dream. So they threw him in a pit, put some blood on his coat, took it back to the dad. He's gone. Dad had a hissy fit. Okay, all right. Let's go get that boy out of the pit. Sell him to slavery. Eventually, you know the story. He goes from the pit to the palace. Now we got Joseph in the palace. He is basically the man in Egypt behind Pharaoh after what he was able to accomplish there. So now we got a situation because there's a famine and the Bible says in the land, but it then also says the whole world. The whole earth had a famine. So there's nowhere to go. So. If there's a famine in the whole world, that includes Canaan, which is the promised land. So what happened to Jacob after everything God had done for his father, his grandfather, for him? What happened to cause him to think that God could not fix this issue of this famine in Canaan? And we look at Joseph. Joseph, here's what I, I looked at this. I said, OK, OK, God, what are you trying to show me? Joseph was a product of Egypt now. So I got to figure that he wasn't able to clearly hear from God, the God, as we know, Jehovah, without this filter of this Egyptian mindset. So he was looking at, I got to get my dad out of there. He's looking at survival. I got to get my dad out of there because Canaan is affected by this drought, by this uh, famine as well. So I got to get him out of here. So they move all of them over to Goshen, which 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 they're able to experience now a, a better life, better situation, access to food, everything they needed. So then what happens? Jacob, the family, all of the children of Israel got complacent. They got comfortable in Goshen. And that wasn't what God wanted. 
that wasn't what God wanted. Now there's a need for deliverance. Some of us find ourselves in a place where there's need of need for deliverance, but because the conditions are so, the climate is so perfect, we think we're okay. Be careful because the temperature is subject to change. You don't want to find yourself in a situation where you're comfortable because the climate is great. All of a sudden, a hurricane comes or a blizzard comes that you were not prepared for. Those Israelites were not prepared for what the Egyptians were cooking. See, the, the, thing that, the thing that's messed up is the guy that was in charge when you were living comfortably ain't going to always be there. The Bible says another Pharaoh came who didn't know Joseph, who didn't know this setup, this plan that was put in place that put these people in Goshen. He didn't know. He didn't know what happened. He didn't know about that. And, and he started thinking, wait a minute, they're not Egyptians. We need some help around here. We need some stuff done. We're not going to put this on our people's back. Why would we do that? We got these people who have been getting fat off of our stuff all these years, all these decades. Let's put it on their back. Now they're slaves. Destined for deliverance. How do you go from being destined to greatness to now being destined for deliverance? All right. Y'all ready now? That's just a little backdrop. All right. So let's look at destined. Destined means bound for a certain destination. Ordained, appointed or predetermined to be or to do something. Okay, let me read that again. Destined is bound for a certain destination. If you got your smartphone, you can look this up in dictionary.com. Amen. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even gonna hold you up. I got it from dictionary.com. <laughs> so I'm like, write that down. No, you, you can just look it up. Just look it up. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> this helps me to move on. Okay. <laughs> bound for a certain destination, ordained, appointed, or predetermined to be or to do something. It's liable planning or intending to be or to do something. Liable, planning, or intending to be or to do something. So that word really captured me right there, bound. Bound for a certain destiny, destination. Bound for a certain destination. That's different from desiring to get there or wanting to get there. When you're bound to something, you're tied to it, you're attached to it. We sang a song, uh, the last song that we sang, um, I'm drawing a blank, help me out. Everlasting God. And there's a part where it says, I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. And, and there's a part, I'm trying to remember what is, does it say something about holding, uh, holding on to something? Or We set our hope on you. We set our hope on your love. What's that? We set our hope on the one who is the everlasting God. How does the first part go? First part of the song. Lord is my life, my salvation. Then what else? I will wait on you. That's it. I will wait on you. In Isaiah, it tells us, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. 
they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They, they will run and not grow weary. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. I used to think that that means like a waiter waits at a table, you know, and it, it does have that aspect of it. But if you look the word wait up in the Hebrew, it says to bind yourself. So they that wait upon the Lord, they that bind themselves with the Lord shall renew their strength. You tie yourself to him with cords that can't be broken. That's how you renew your strength. So when I think about that word bound there, bound for a certain destination, I'm bound to where this train is taking me. I'm not going to let it break. I'm not going to I'm not going to cut it loose because I got to get there. That's what destined means. I'm not I'm not going to decide to get off if things get a little bumpy. If this is a plane and we're running into turbulence, I'm not going to try to get a parachute and get out of here. I'm bound to it because I know that if I can hold on until the end, I'm going to be where God wants me to be. And that's the place where I'll grow and flourish. Amen. All right. So I'm bound to it for a certain destination. Then deliverance. Look at the word deliverance. Salvation, liberation, a thought or judgment expressed, a formal or authoritative pronouncement. I thought about that. I said, wow. You know, I, I think about deliverance as being free from something, liberated, you know, salvation. Those words made sense to me. But this statement right here kind of shook me a little bit. A formal or authoritative pronouncement. A formal or authoritative pronouncement. I told you I got this from dictionary.com. So this is a secular dictionary. It's not spiritual. But how in the world did they know that this was a spiritual definition? Remember Romans 10, 9 and 10? That if thou shalt confess with your mouth, authoritative pronouncement, make a statement of truth, that if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, then you will be saved. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Here they got the word, they have actually in here a formal or authoritative pronouncement. So deliverance is, you got to say something. You got to declare something. First of all, you got to acknowledge that I'm in trouble. I'm in bondage. Then you got to say, God, what do I need to say to get out of here? That if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Confess the Lord Jesus. What, what am I saying? Confess that Jesus is Lord over my life, over my situations, over my circumstances. Confess that. Start there. And then believe in your heart. Well, you say it out of your mouth, it's going to get in your heart. Yes. Amen? Amen? I always say out of the abundance of the heart, heart the mouth speaks. But that's the way to get it in your heart. You got to say it. Amen? So we're looking at this now. Bound for a certain destination, ordained or appointed, in order to experience salvation, liberation, and to have the words to say to get out of my situation. Hallelujah. Destined. That's what destined for deliverance is, y'all. Y'all want to keep going? Okay. Pronouncement. I had to look up pronouncement because I said, okay, I know what pronouncement means, but I want to look it up. And it's just a formal or authoritative statement, but it's also a decision. A pronouncement. You don't get to pronouncement stage until you've decided something. 
You can't even make a pronouncement if you ain't had no, made no decision. If you have not made a decision, you cannot, it cannot be a pronouncement. A lot of things we say out of our mouth, but it's just talk. It's not a pronouncement unless we're backing it up. Because that decision is what powers that pronouncement. Amen. If I say, God, I'm accepting you in my heart. I'm, I'm now saved. I've now stepped out of sin, the life of sin into a life of Christianity. If I go back to where I came from and do the same things that I did, that's not a pronouncement. That's just gibberish. You haven't said anything as far as God is concerned. You haven't pronounced anything. You haven't done it with authority, an authoritative statement. Amen. All right. Turn to John real quick. John chapter three. John three sixteen. Hallelujah. And again, we're talking about destined for deliverance. And in this, we've got to look at salvation. We've got to look at why Jesus came. Everybody should know this verse by heart. But if we if we look at it together, I want us to see some things in here. We've got to see why Jesus came. Why did Jesus come? Like I said, a lot of things that I grew up on and, and, and I thought I understood I didn't really have a handle on it. I thought Jesus came so I don't have to go to hell. He did. He did. I mean, some of y'all looking like, wait a minute now. Is this guy saved? What kind of doctrine is this? <laughs> Let me say it this way. I thought the primary reason for Jesus coming was so that I don't have to go to hell. I thought it was give me my ticket to heaven. Give me my fire insurance. Amen. I don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to get saved. But look at this. It's right here in John 3, 16. Why he came. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Look at this scripture. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's nothing in there that says whosoever believes in him won't go to hell. Whosoever believes on him gets a ticket to heaven. That's not what it says. It says whosoever believes in him shall or should not perish. You shouldn't should not perish, but have everlasting life. And if you look at these words, perish. Perish in the Greek actually means there's a lot of things. It means loss of life, but it also means that you won't lose. That you will not be considered insignificant, useless, that you won't be a loser. What's the opposite of losing? Winning. So if I believe on Jesus Christ, I can now win every battle. I can win in any given situation. Doesn't matter what the circumstances are. I got Jesus so I can win. That's part of it. The other one is everlasting life. If you just really read the scripture, everlasting life. If I believe on Jesus, I now have everlasting life. What is life if you're dead? 
you know, you don't get to heaven until you die first. So why did he say everlasting life? If it's just about going to heaven, why did he say everlasting life? My, my pastor, my father, he gives a definition in a, a book called Words in Different Light for the Word Life. Living in complete fulfillment of eternal benefit. L-I-F-E. Living in complete fulfillment of eternal benefit. That means that right now, right here, I can benefit in life. I don't have to wait till I get to heaven. Think about this. The disciples asked Jesus how to pray. Lord, how do we pray? He said, Matthew, Matthew 6, 9. He said, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's always been his desire. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died, so that you can experience what they're experiencing up there down here on earth. You don't want to be sick? You don't have to be. You don't want to be broke? You don't have to be. It's a decision, then a pronouncement. Amen? All right, look at verse uh, 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the world might be saved. Saved means, this is really interesting. In the Greek, the word saved means to save from the evils which obstruct the reception of the messianic deliverance. Let me read that again. To save from the evils which obstruct the reception of the messianic deliverance. The messianic de de deliverance, the Messiah, Jesus. The reason that he came, the deliverance that he's offering to us is to it, it's, it's to save us from the evils that will block it. Block your ability to receive it. That's what being saved means. And, that, and I, I'm going I'm to get to this in a minute. I'm, I'm, get, I'm almost getting ahead of myself. So deliverance is the beginning or what needs to happen first in order for the process of salvation to take effect. So if I'm destined to be delivered, that's the beginning. Deliverance is the beginning. It's the beginning or what needs to happen first for the process of salvation to take effect. So intrinsic in deliverance. I had to use that word today because I, I know where I am. Intrinsic. I intrinsic. Don't ask me to spell it. Amen. <laughs> I'm smart. I am. Uh, intrinsic in deliverance is the process of transformation. Okay? So tied to deliverance is the process of transformation. You cannot really experience true deliverance without transformation. Okay? So what is transformation? To transform is the metamorphosis to change into another form to transfigure. Okay? This is one of the areas where we get affected. Because deliverance, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you accept Jesus Christ in your heart, you're saved. You're saved. That's all he says you need to do. Just accept him, make the pronouncement, 
because a lot of in a lot of cases you don't really understand the the mess that you're in when you when you receive Jesus. Some people have those experiences where they accept Jesus and it's just like they're they they can't stop crying because they know something just happened. Some people don't really understand. They don't understand, but they do it because they they believe they need to, but they don't fully understand. That's where discipleship comes in. That's one of the missing ingredients in a lot of churches today is discipleship. Grabbing those people by the hand and not letting them go anywhere without understanding what they just did, first of all, and then what they now have access to because of what they did. Because a lot of people are suffering and struggling and, and the message gets them to the altar. But beyond the altar, they don't have any more support. They don't know that there's another step here called transformation. I got to become something else. Because if I stay the same, I'm only going to go back to what I did. So transformation is the metamorphosis to change into another form to transfigure. Turn real quickly with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 17. And keeping that in mind, what transformation is. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Okay? So we already established the fact that we're, we're now destined for deliverance. Okay? We need deliverance. We need deliverance in order to to walk into the promise that God has for us. Amen. So now we're talking about this process. We're talking about this process. The next stage is is transformation. Okay. so listen to this again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. okay, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm in Christ. He is now a new creature. So we established that once you accept Jesus Christ into your life, you become a new creature right there. You become a new creature. But there are some things in the transformation process that need to take place. Amen. So listen to this. Old things are now passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That is one verse separated by a couple of commas and semicolon. But that is a process. It's a process. You become something new when you accept him. But the transformation process is what takes a little bit of time. Time and discipline. And supported by the word. You got to get some word in you. You got to get some word in you. The word is the only thing that will change your conditions. Amen. Praise God. So look at John chapter three. real quick. John chapter three. Verse three. And uh, I know I, I know I said I'm a King James person, but I want to read this from the Amplified Version. Uh, it just kind of helps to, to really break it down. John 3, 3 says in the Amplified Version, it says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless a person is born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, he cannot ever see and experience the kingdom of God. He has to be spiritually transformed, renewed and sanctified. He cannot ever see and experience the kingdom of God. All right. Now, real quickly, Romans chapter 12. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 12. 
I want to show you something at the end of this because um, I'm, I'm a pretty visual person. You know, God usually shows me things in 3D, it seems like. And, and, and when I see things, uh, I just try to explain it as best I can. <laughs> Amen. But, but he shows me things in, in visuals uh, using things that I'm interested in. That's, that's amazing, God. He can use things that I'm interested in to help me to make sense of the word of God. Amen. So Romans chapter 12, you got that? It says, verse one says, I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. All right. Then verse two says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God by the renewing of your mind. So in these in these three passages of scripture that we looked at, we look at in Second Corinthians, you got to become new. Old things have to pass away. And John, you got to be reborn, spiritually transformed. And then in Romans chapter 12, verse two, you got to renew your mind. OK, these three things are vital. To experiencing deliverance as God prescribed it. Amen. Here's what he showed me. He showed me in nature how this works. There was there were three three animals that he showed me. Uh, I'm, I don't have I don't know if I have time to do all three, but I'm going to start with the tadpole or the frog. Okay, anybody know what a frog is? Amen. <laughs> a frog starts his life off as a tadpole. A tadpole survives in the water, cannot survive outside of the water. There's a transformation that takes place. The, the, the frog, the tadpole eventually transforms into a frog. Now, if you look at a tadpole and put it up next to a frog, they look nothing alike. They look nothing alike. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you some details of, of what a tadpole is and how it lives compared to how a frog lives. And, and some of y'all probably didn't know this. But here's the interesting thing about it, though. If you take a baby, a newborn baby, and put it up next to a full-grown human, it, it does look like a human. I mean, it has 10 fingers and toes. It has a head. It has legs, arms. So there's nothing there's nothing that you can look at there and say that this thing cannot become this. But when you look at a tadpole compared to a frog, you think, oh, that's going to be a, that's going to become a big fish one day. You know why? Because tadpoles don't have lungs. Tadpoles have gills like a fish. They have a tail like a fish. They have eyes on the side of their head, just like a fish. For all intents and purposes, this looks like it's going to become a fish when it grows up. But over a period of time, it sprouts an arm, actually starts off with legs because the legs help it swim. It sprouts out legs. Then it sprouts out some arms. Over a period of time, those gills transform into lungs. At that point, Instinctively, you talk about destined for deliverance. God predetermined something in that tadpole 
before it becomes a frog, it instinctively knows I'm not going to be able to breathe down here no more. I got to get out of this environment because I'm not going to be able to survive down here anymore. Next thing you know, it sticks his head up out of the water, takes a deep breath. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is Canaan. This is the promised land. This is what I've been struggling all this time underwater for to get to the promised land. After that frog emerges out of that water, out of Egypt. Now it can catch flies with his tongue. <laughs> it now lives and exists in a world that's much better than where it was. It was easy prey down there. How, you know how many tadpoles survive? Not very many. Not very many. But when you become a frog, you're on a whole different level. Those things that could eat you up down there can't touch you now. But here's what can't happen. The frog can't go back in the water and breathe. If he does, he'll die. You can't go back. Y'all ready for another one? <laughs> the butterfly or the caterpillar. The caterpillar in its lifetime will be lucky to travel 50 feet. Lucky. A bird might get to it. Something might something. I mean, it's, it's just a dangerous territory for a caterpillar in its lifetime. But if it makes it to its destination of transformation, it attaches itself to a leaf and it forms a cocoon. And when it becomes this cocoon, Eventually, it emerges as a, but as a butterfly. And, and, you know, when it becomes a butterfly, it can fly anywhere. And I, I, I love the monarch butterfly because the monarch butterfly travels on a journey. I forget how many miles it travels. But, but it travels, you know how many miles it travels? It's, it's I think thousands of miles to mate. It's amazing to mate. I mean, they just, it's like, hey, we got somewhere to be. <laughs> Hey, I don't know about y'all, but I'm going over here. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but that's that's a that's a whole lot more than 50 feet. What the caterpillar is limited to. Amen. But here's an interesting fact. It's an interesting fact because we're looking at becoming something new. The frog. Second Corinthians 517. You got to become something new. You can't live in the old way. Butterfly. Looks more like John 3 3. Because it has to be reborn. Man, when the Holy Spirit showed me this, I, I, I'm telling you, I had goosebumps that lasted. I mean, these goosebumps look like cassava melons. I mean, I couldn't even, I don't even know if I could have put a shirt on after I had these goosebumps. But <laughs> when I saw this, what happens to a caterpillar in that cocoon? I was just baffled. That caterpillar is reduced to mush. It's reduced to mush as if you were to put acid in there and boil whatever is on the inside of it. It becomes liquefied. You can't even make out that it was ever a caterpillar. It becomes liquefied. It dies. It essentially dies in that cocoon. And over a period of time, what happens is, and through God's infinite wisdom, 
through God, I mean, that's all I can say, through God's infinite wisdom, what happens is the substance on the inside of that cocoon begins to shape and form into that butterfly. If you put a caterpillar up next to a butterfly, you can't see the resemblance. You don't know that they were cousins. You cannot see the resemblance. But something happens in that cocoon. It dies. It becomes liquefied. And then it solidifies and takes shape and form into that butterfly that's able to fly thousands of miles. Transformation. Transformation. I'm not going to do the last one. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? Have you become something else? Or are you the same thing that you were when you said you made a pronouncement? Destined for deliverance means that I understand, like we said, I'm bound to this thing that's moving towards my future. The future that God prescribed for me. I'm bound to it. I'm bound to it. I'm not going to let it go. I can't be like the frog who wants to become a tadpole. Why would I want to do that? Why would a butterfly want to go back to the status of a caterpillar? So if I'm if I'm where God wanted me to be, why would I ever want to go back? I'm destined for deliverance so that I can be destined for greatness. It's not just about going to heaven. It's about experiencing life right here. Abundant life. Abundant life. Ephesians 3.20 is one of my favorite scriptures of all time. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask or think. When I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind, my thinking is different. I don't think like I used to when I'm transformed. When I renew my mind, my thoughts are different. My thoughts now are thoughts of hope through faith. I see things differently. I'm able to focus differently. I have now taken on the eyes of faith. Hallelujah. Reminds me of Elijah when, when, when the armies were against them. And the young man said, I, we're in trouble. We're, this, we're not going to get out of this. And Elisha said, he can't see. He can't see. God, give him a pair of my goggles. Let him look through those so he can see that those that are against us, are they don't even compare to who's with us. That young man's eyes opened and he was able to see that the armies of the living God surrounded the, the small company that was there to take them out. That's what happens when you're delivered. When you're delivered, you become something else. Your vision is now different. Your hearing is different. The, the way you process things is different. Your language is different. You don't talk defeat anymore. You talk prosperity, success. You, you don't see hopelessness. You see hopefulness. You become alive. That old thing is dead. Become destined for deliverance to become destined for greatness. Did you get anything out of that? Yes. Amen.